Welcome back, everyone. It's Christian Joel Ramos, the podcast mercenary, the Mike for Hire, and the Puerto Rican powerhouse. Back at it again with a brand new review. And today's review is a continuation of HBO series, original series, The Watchmen. Now, I'm on episode two of The Watchmen, and a lot has happened since episode one. Let me move the mic a little closer. Okay, so it's a little complicated because it ended with the sheriff being hung in the middle of what seems to be some sort of field or some park or something, right? So things are getting kind of crazy when a character I thought was going to be a permanent doesn't last. So this show definitely has some Game of Thrones type shit where you don't know who's going to survive at the end of the episode because it does deal with essentially an internal war among the quote-unquote regular people and the racist. These extreme extremist Rorschach who are like sort of like a modern-day Klansman. So we have a bunch of German women are typing. They're looking for a girl who speaks perfect English. Almost like it's this uh, military um, office. It looks like it's set in World War II. I'm not really sure, but it looks like it's set in a previous time, definitely during war time. So yes, I'm going to go with World War II because I feel like it's a big one that people use whenever they have to find some sort of antagonist. And they're looking for one who speaks perfect English because um, the Fuhrer or like the leader, general, whatever you want to call it, needs somebody to translate for them. So the German captain is trying to persuade soldiers of color to go to the German side, saying the Americans don't treat you like equals. You guys are second grade citizens, essentially alluding them that, you know, join us and we'll treat you better. We'll give you everything you ask for and you'll be treated just like everyone else. And I am no genius, but these are the same Germans that were killing off Jews and gays. Because people forget that part, too. They weren't just killing off Jews. They were also killing off homosexuals. Uh, so, yeah, they were just killing off anybody that didn't fit their, quote-unquote, way of life, their look. So you're going to try to recruit American soldiers, African-American to be precise, into this, like, falseness of, like, being accepted and of course, it seems like a big ploy to get rid of the, uh, the American soldiers' numbers during this wartime. I'm, again, I'm assuming it's set in Nazi Germany during World War II. That's what it seems like. So it flashes forward to modern day where Angela goes to lay to her lair to vent because she's frustrated with just transpired and all that stuff. And um, it's, you know, it's a lot of taking with your best friend slash, you know, uh, captain that gets killed and you see him hanging from a tree it's crazy all because he's uh supportive of the you know black community and anybody in the police just in general because he was a cop it's crazy actually so um angela goes to investigate after he gives her the runaround meaning the guy who is essentially uh the black gentleman from the previous episode who was hanging outside of a bake shop that wasn't even open yet, mind you. And he's just there, like, chilling under the tree. And he takes the hit for it, saying that he's the one that did it. Obviously, he didn't do it, because he's in a damn wheelchair. How are you going to be able to climb this 20-foot tree and hang a grown man if you don't even got legs to work? I'm just saying, you know, it just seems like it's very far-fetched. And then he uses the whole Dr. Manhattan thing. Maybe I have psychic powers, and he's going to mind to do it. And I'm like, yeah, this guy's seen now. So... A new, a newsy scene uh, is occurring where, like, this little kid has papers and you see these, like, thugs or whatever you want to call them go into a, a throwback bodega, like, some sort of, like, convenience store or general store. Let's go with general store. It looks like they're going to rob the place. But out of nowhere comes one of the original Watchmen 
the hooded justice and he goes into action and kills these guys like instead of the average quote-unquote superhero where they were nabbed and get arrested he went for the vigilante shit and just went right for the kill and vicious killings at work too this guy was definitely not justice he was vengeance he was batman before batman was a thing it's crazy well technically batman predates the watchman if you think about it because and let's not get all super geek here uh arrow wise because you know batman's always trying to stay in the current events where this seems like it's set in a specific era uh like the justice society era and you know so the um the Char Charleston comics era, so like very much in that 40s era, which kind of makes sense because the previous scene was set in World War II-ish, so it's around the same time, just in the stateside. So we got, go back to modern times, where a huge crowd outside of the police guarded crime scene is occurring. Like they essentially shut down the park that all this craziness happened where, you know, the captain or sheriff, I mean, is this not sheriff, what am I saying? Police chief, there we go, because the city, the police chief is um, being hung and they got to take him down. And um, Detective Glass calls Angela that the chief suffered before he was hanged. Like, they literally tortured this guy. It was, it was nuts. And um, she knew it was an act of vengeance because they, uh, cavalry the of course this is a group of people spilling the k obviously this cavalry of rorschachs are out to get police officers and now that the police are acting like they're not scared of them they use this as a kind of like calling card like you sure you're not scared of us we're everywhere and anywhere you can think about it so you know watch your watch your step and um so we get this scene where they talk she doesn't like this guy. They took the glass, kind of an asshole. He kind of reminds me of Rorschach. Like, he has a lot of Rorschach, the original Rorschach, not these uh, Rorschach wannabes, like the actual Rorschach, almost like the question. Of course, you know, the question wasn't like either in his comic book. So definitely this guy is a true detective, true to the part. He's this older gentleman who never takes his mask off. He, like, lives in this mask. So this is, like, the modern-day version of Rorschach and the question. And whatever other freaking vigilante slash detective hero in comic books exists in DC universe. So they are having disagreements on how they're going to do things. Angela's like, I'm going out to kill these guys. Don't you even try to stop me. And he's like, think of your family. You're going to be in danger. Yada, 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 that whole thing. So we got a flashback to Christmas where something where shit went down. Like she was home and then had a home invasion and she had to kill the home invaders. Um, and she got knocked out. Luckily she survived except the hospital with the whole police force there uh she was ambushed in a strategic attack by cavalry and this is you know essentially a flashback of why she's got to watch her step because people are crazy and fanatics will do what fanatics gotta do so it is what it is it's one of those things where you got to be aware of surroundings and who you're enticing because there are people who can get overboard so as she continues this war with these people who are like these again crazy fanatics domestic terrorists you know uh, white nationalists whatever you want to call them right um she's fighting her own battles from her past where she was getting attacked in her own house and surviving that and then angela actually goes to this, like american museum where they're um doing well there's a it's a museum where you can essentially have check your history with like your dna and they talk about tulsa fires so it gets real here and it's uh has like a video with henry lewis gates jr you know the guy that does the ancestry stuff on tv on C it's pbs or cbs the pbs and he gives like uh these um almost like reparations but they're called different they're 
essentially it's reparations for a specific event. Anyone who survived the Tulsa fire uh, of, you know, the burning of Black Wall Street, that whole history is entitled to a certain amount of money. So if you are a descendant of people of that, you know, you will be mailed a check and whatnot to verify so you can make money. And, you know, you're just dues for, like, losing your family and this, like, American massacre that happened back in the old days. And they watched TV as a family, Angela, her husband, and her adopted son, Topher. Topher, again, was a little weird in the first episode, but now see why. He's gone through a lot of trauma because he's dealing with people losing his parents and seeing things that no kid in his age would see, so he had to grow up faster. And who else would be better guardians than a detective who can really, like, help him understand? I mean, yes, a therapist would be a better guardian, but all things considering, you know what I'm saying? It's nice to know that he's protected from whatever he went through because we haven't seen exactly what happened to his family. Uh, they just know they were killed. And obviously, the <laughs> I'm assuming it's Cavalry's uh, doing, just like it did to the other people's families, including almost Angela's. So they watch TV's family in a serial for the Hood of Justice plays on TV. Funny enough how this all ties in, right? So Angela is at Judd's wake. This is Judd, who's her chief and, you know, friend, colleague, all things and above. And, of course, you know, he meets. she meets the senator, Senator King, and collapses on purpose. You can tell she's trying to, like, not congregate with people and network. She's trying to investigate the death and things of his past. So then you hear the song Requiem in D minor play. And obviously, you know, it's like, okay, it's like a super dramatic, right? What's going to happen? Like, what secret past does he have? Because she goes into his, like, master bedroom with some night vision, Batman-like freaking, you know, um, X-ray vision goggles. And is able to go into his safe where he has, it's a safe, so he has things that he doesn't want being seen. Obviously, he's dead, so, but he had to, like, she had to play, right? Angela, she pretty much had to play dumb and, like, oh, you know, I'm so tired and a little overworn. And, you know, Judd's wife was getting her water. He's like, listen, you just go rest up here. And I'll go back to the rest of the party and, you know, keep everything going. Just don't worry about it. And that's when she, you know, turns the uh, turns detective mode on and, and investigates. She goes into finding inside of Judd's closet with the safe and, you know, combination. And discovers a KKK Grand Wizard disguise. Or costume robe, whatever the hell this shit is. Um, and it's, it's messed up because this is a guy you trusted your whole life was fighting for. You know, police is, uh, police is being treated equally no matter what. And, you know, this guy was definitely a fight for the cause, one of the good guys. And to have this crazy clan outfit in his closet, it doesn't seem very out of character for him because they're like best friends. You know, not best friends, but they're very close. When you're, when you're close to your, it's like being, you know, war buddies. You know, like her and, and the chief have been through the fires together. And this guy to somehow be a secret, secret clansman it doesn't add up at all. And I don't think it's as simple and black as white. Black and white is that just yet. I want to know what the hell this is alluding to. So the old writer is getting his actors ready to play. We go back to the scene with this writer that popped up uh, by Jeremy Irons in the first episode. And they're reenacting Dr. Manhattan's creation. In the creation, like, he gets super, like, legit to the point that he actually burns the actor in the chamber where Dr. Manhattan, you know, becomes Dr. Manhattan and kills this Dr. Philip character for real. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy is not only just, you know, a method 
uh, producer, you know, thespian, you know, obsessed playwright. He's a serial killer. But then here's the plot twist. We find out that it's not a big those guy died because all of the staff around him take off their hoods and you find out they're all clones of each other. So this is like a new bag of worms. Like, okay, so this guy could be a crazy serial killer, sociopathic, you know, um, just nut job. But since he's killing clones, is it ethical? Like, does he treat them like people or he sees them as property he doesn't see them as individuals with souls he sees them he obviously sees them as just oh another clone died let me just you know make another clone first off clone technology this is like a big leap we're going through like civil rights issues uh, social justice issues things that are tangible in our times you know granted i know dr manhattan and all these other superheroes exist in canon but as far as the beginning first episode, it's very grounded, very believable. Now we're going to some science fiction shit. Like we're taking a left turn here. Not only are we dealing with like these uh, new school clansmen, now we're seeing old clansmen um, disguises or um, double lives appearing. And now we're seeing this new, I'm assuming it's antagonist, who's just killing clones left and right because he can choose to because he has other... And he's annoyed with the actors. That's the funniest thing about the whole thing. He was annoyed with the guy that was playing Dr. Manhattan. So when a guy tried to help take the body out of the chamber and gave so much crap, he casted him as the new Dr. Philip for the next play. Mind you, just seeing the current Dr. Philip get fried, he's as dumb as rocks. And he takes the role. He's like, oh, it's an honor. You're like, I get the lead role. Like, my man, did you not see what happened to the guy that got the lead role? Like, he literally got fried in front of everyone. And the, I felt bad for the female lead because she felt some sort of way, like, oh my gosh, he just got burned alive. And she's fine because, you know, she's not reenacting. But all for theatric effect because they have another clone who is naked, you know, dick out and balls and out and everything, fully nude in the Dr. Manhattan blue paint. And he is also uh, another clone of the guy. So the guys are all one clone and then all the girls are all the same person. It's so weird right now. So it's definitely opening up a new layer of this onion, of this complicated onion of what's going to happen in the next episode. Now I'm excited to see, like, there's about seven more episodes or so, right? And I'm like, okay, now we're going dipping our toes into deep water of science fiction. Because we mentioned Dr. Manhattan, but that was 30 years ago back in the 80s. We're now in 2020, right? Dealing with today's problems, today's dilemmas today's current events that actually hit you know the nail on the head as far as current events go as goes and now we're kind of going to a new level of strangeness so i can't wait to see where episode three goes but this is my review for season one of hbo original the watchman episode two and i hope you enjoyed it it's um it's you know I know I left out a part of, about the Red Scare. Red Scare was a nice character they added in the show, too. This communist thug guy who's a cop, which I found that kind of strange that they're cool with a communist being part of their party. So I want to know where this guy is, like, history. He's like an old Russian, like, cop working with the American cops because of certain things. But I don't know. But this guy, the fact his name is the Red Scare and he's on All Red and he's on the good guys team is very questionable. And I should have brought that up way sooner, but his role was just like he just likes he was he just likes to fight and kill. So like he's hyped to fight the cavalry. They had a big swarm where they raided these like um, 
I guess you can call it a uh, trailer park full of racists. Like they all live in a community, a commune of themselves, and they tore down their statue of their quote unquote deity figure. And it's a statue of like a cartoon version of Nixon, which I thought was hysterical. And they're like, if you guys will give us the guy we want, because, you know, they're trying to figure out who's out here murdering and shit. We're going to tear down your monument. And that's when all hell broke loose and they all attacked. And even, you know, Knight, um, Angela, she got a few licks in and definitely busted some faces. So that was a nice little action scene of like relieving your stress, you know, through fighting. And yeah, that this episode's solid. Like, we introduced a couple new characters, not too many, and you're still expanding this weird character that we don't know how he's tied into the universe. This playwright, this Hannibal Lecter-like playwright. Well, I don't want to say Hannibal Lecter; he's not a cannibal, but this odd man that like seems like super villain written all over him. Well, how is he tied to these characters? So I can't wait to see where this all links up, and hopefully, it goes full circle. Because that's a, they give us a few minutes of that story. It doesn't really tie in with anything else. We're just learning about the history of the Watchmen being glorified as some, some sort of like story time, you know, play. And I can't forget that at the end of the episode, um, they actually, Angela catches up with that old gentleman in the wheelchair and confronts him. And apparently they're somehow related. So she arrests him because she went to get her swab with um, DNA of, I believe, uh, uh, her husband from his coffee mug and he's somehow related to, to, to um, Angela's husband but she doesn't know who this guy is and how he knows so much information about their lives he, but he escapes with a magnet you know those magnets and like those uh, junkyards where they like move cars around and just dips out of nowhere that shit was just what like wild so that definitely opened up another can of worms of what the hell is going to happen next who, who is this gentleman like is he a friend that we don't know about yet that really need to worry you know like hey you know, this guy definitely has some answers that we need. So stay tuned, I guess, the next time, right? So I've been the one and only Christian Joel Ramos, the Mike for Hire, the Portland Powerhouse, the podcast mercenary, signing off. Until next time, thank you for tuning in and take care.